there's such an apostasy that's happened, a falling away in the body of Christ as the Bible has told us would happen. And heresy is just at an all-time high. And I believe that we need to stay very close to the Word of God and study the Word. I believe that we need to guard ourselves against the different types of things that are coming, the errors that are coming into the body of Christ. And my goodness, I've, I've, I'm able to see out beyond. I have people that I know from different areas of the country and the world and to find out what's really just flooding into the body of Christ. We need to stay strong in Jesus, don't we? And in His Word. Well, I'm going to be speaking today about, about our spiritual life, about how to become a mature Christian. Isn't that going to be exciting? How many would like to know how to become a mature Christian? How many think you are a mature Christian? No hands go up. Everybody's too humble to, to admit that. But I think it's really important that we really take a look at the Scriptures because we can go through life as a believer in Christ and never fulfill our destiny, never walk in the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of life, and we can live a defeated life unless we take action and understanding and have purpose to move ahead into spiritual growth. So Jesus did not come and die for us just so we can have a nice time on this earth. Did you know that? You know, the God, one of the gods of America is entertainment. And Jesus didn't come just to entertain us, did he? He didn't come just so that we could have entertainment at church. In fact, he didn't die just so that we could live a really nice life on this earth. And then, you know, if we have a good life here, God bless, God bless you, God bless us. But he came to bring us life. But he also came to bring us to the afterlife, to a life, resurrected life. So if we are just living this life in a casual way as a believer, we're living very shallow. And I like what Leonard Ravenhill, a man who's passed away, but he was a, one of the great evangelists in England, and he moved to, to the United States. He was a mentor to Keith Green. Remember Keith Green, the musician and Melody Green? And also to David Wilkerson. And he made a statement, I forgot verbatim, but he said something that the, the Western church, now he said this 25, 30 years ago probably, the Western church is a thousand miles wide and an inch deep. Or a hundred miles wide or whatever the term was. But we're, we're very shallow. We have to admit that. That we're a very shallow a bunch of believers. Because our culture influences so much. Joe, right? Yeah. Hi, good to see you. Our culture influences us so much, and so we think that we think that we may be in a different different place than we are. But Jesus came to give us life and give us abundant life. But He also came not only to give us life; Jesus came to kill us. Did you know that? He came to bring death. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, I die daily. So what are you talking about? He came to kill us, to murder us? No, God's not a murderer. No, he came to bring us life. But before he can give us life, he's got to tear down and destroy some things in our lives. Sometimes if you've ever done remodeling, you know that a lot of the work is tearing out the old stuff. 
and then putting in the new, that's a lot of work, isn't it, to remodel. Well, God does more than remodel in our life. He, re, he, he, re, he changes us from the inside out. And when he does that, then his purpose is to make us like Christ. Not kind of like Christ. Not just saved and, oh, I'm going to heaven. But he comes to change us to be like his son. There's only one standard in God's mind for you and I. And that's his son, Jesus Christ. The perfection of Christ. The only one standard. And you know how easy it is for us to say, well, you know what? I, I, I don't do what those Christians do. You know, they do stuff like that. I don't watch the movies they watch. I don't watch the TV they watch. I don't do. And our standard is built on what somebody else does or doesn't do. And that standard's faulty, isn't it? The standard is in Christ. So each of us, Jesus Christ didn't come to this world and die, lay down his life and suffer and die, so that you and I can just live in flowery beds of ease. The rest of our life, then we can submit juleps and fling our scotch bottles into the trash can as we empty them and all that sort of a thing. Jesus Christ came to give us life. And in order to give us life, there has to be a death that comes. So let's, let's ask the Lord's blessing. I'm already way into my message here. We haven't even asked his blessing. Father, we ask your blessing this morning. We ask for your uh, your Holy Spirit to give us ears to hear with, hearts to comprehend, and give us eyes to see with as well as Jesus spoke of Isaiah, as, as his, Isaiah's words, Lord, that you'll give us this comprehension. And also, Lord, I pray you'd give us a desire to grow and live in you and for you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let me start with some scriptures. And let's go to Peter. First Peter. First Peter, way to the back of your Bible after Hebrews, James, first and second John. Oops, no, wait a minute, no. After James, there's first Peter. And this is what Peter writes. This is in chapter one of First Peter, verse fourteen. And he writes, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lust which were yours in your ignorance. Let's stop right there. Do not be conformed to your former lust which were yours in your ignorance. What is he talking about there? Your former lusts, your former lifestyle, your former life of vanity, your fruitless life before, right? Don't go back and be conformed to that. Now, he's talking to believers here. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to believers. And Paul echoes that very statement, doesn't he? Paul echoes that statement. He said, and he said, I believe it's in Ephesians, where he spoke about, let me read it so I don't misquote it. In Ephesians, Paul has some more understanding in this area. In chapter 2 of, first of Ephesians, it says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. What's he saying here? What he's saying is don't go back to that former life. Don't go back to those old habit patterns. Don't go back to that kind of lifestyle. Come out of it. 
Don't be conformed just because the world is doing it, just because other Christians in the church or, you know, in the community are doing it. Don't do it because don't follow the world. In Romans chapter 12 and 1 and 2, Paul writes again, he says, Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what we're doing this morning, aren't we? We're renewing our mind with the word. And with the teaching this morning is to renew our minds that we could live above the world. How many were in the world? I was in the world. We were all in the world, weren't we, at one time. Some of us may still be in the world. The world's a pretty ugly place. I'm not talking about the beauty of, of the earth. But the world is a pretty ugly place at times. And the world can draw you in to such places that it's very destructive. And how many of you, when you were in the world, could be a destructive person in one way or another? Oh, you, maybe you didn't go out shooting streetlights out like I did as a kid at times for kicks, being malicious destruction and things like that. But you're destructive, your nature, your behavior, you were destructive in relationships. You were destructive in, destructive in friendships or in family and so forth, right? How many? Yeah. I don't get my own way, I'm destructive. If I don't like it, my emotions are upset, I could be destructive. I may destroy things with my tongue. I may not do it always with my physically, but I could do it with my tongue, couldn't we? What is that called when that happens when Christians behave like that? What is that called? What kind of Christian is that person? It's called carnality, isn't it? It's a Christian that's walking in the flesh nature. There's three kinds of people in the world. Do you know that? There's three kinds of people in the world. There's the people that have not been born again. They're of the world. They're of the mindset of the world. They track with the world. There's no reju- uh, uh, they haven't been regenerated in their hearts. And then there's people that have been regenerated of their heart. That's the second kind of person. Those are the Christian people. Christian people are regenerated from the heart. We are regenerated from the inside out. How does that happen? We recognize that we need a Savior. And we come to the Savior and we ask Him to come into our life to forgive us, to clean us up. Right, Amanda? He comes in, doesn't He? He comes in and He begins to change. Sally, you mentioned that about how the change has been gradual for you. But He's changed your heart. And you can see it in all of you. He changes our life from the inside out, and he makes us into a new person. We look the same on the old, though our outward man perish. I look in the mirror, my hair, I got less hair, and it gets grayer, and I get more wrinkles. But the inward man comes more and more alive. Because it's Christ in us, which is the hope of glory. That's what the scripture says. Christ in you is the hope of glory. The hope of glory to who? For you? No. It's the hope of glory. That Actually, the context is the hope of glory to the Gentiles or the hope of glory to the people in the world when they see Christ in you. The problem is that a lot of people see Christ in you, but they see a lot of you and they see a lot of me. And they say, if that's what a Christian's like, I don't want anything to do with Christianity. Ever been there? I have. See, it does not mistake Christ for a Christian. Because we're in process, aren't we? 
And Jelly, just like you said, I don't know, it's been a couple, three years for you, but it's a process. You're much different place today. Your, your, uh, your, your, your behavior, I shouldn't say behavior, you're not a person that be misbehaves, but, but your lifestyle is much different today than it was a year ago, two years ago. And hopefully that's the same for all of us. But what we want to look at is how to grow from the um, getting ahead of myself. Let me back up here. So it's three, two kind, three kinds of people. There is the unbelieving, the world person of the world that's conformed to the world, follows follows the world along, does what's cool in the world. And then there's the Christian, and then there's the third, the person who's been born again. But then there's the third type of person. And what, guess what that would be? That's the carnal Christian. That's a person who is still living a life that's very similar to their old life pattern. Their emotions are still governing their life like they used to. Their habits and behavior are much like they used to be before they came to Christ. There may be some difference. There may be different degrees of differences there, of a difference there. But they haven't moved ahead. Now that's okay if you're a brand new believer. If you're a new believer, just like a new infant. We have lots of infants coming along here soon and and have had. And these little children, when you see them misbehaving and that, you don't think a whole lot of it because that's what kids are like, right? They snatch toys from each other and they do sort of things as they get to a certain age. And you think, well, that's kids. You know, Phil teaches at the high school and he understands the way high school kids behave. I'm sure when you see him five, ten years later, that their behavior hopefully is a little different than it was in high school. But you expect that from them. All right, so three kinds of people. So the third kind of person, again, is the Christian who's never grown as they should. So Paul addresses this. When I speak of Paul, I mean the Apostle Paul. And he addresses this to the church in Corinth. Remember the Corinthian church? You know much about them? It was the perversion center of the world, Corinth was. It was a very perverse place. It was full of prostitutes, temple prostitutes, all kinds of, of uh, perversion. And that was, the hub of it was in Corinth. This is in Greece. And Paul writes to the Corinthian church, and this is what he writes to them. He said... And I, brethren, chapter 3, 1 Corinthians, could not speak to you as to spiritual men, but as to men of flesh, as to babes in Christ. I gave you milk to drink, meaning I'm teaching you the things that are of, the, of the mysteries of God. I'm teaching you those things. I'm breaking it down so it's like a milk would be to a baby. Not solid food, for you are not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you are not yet able for you are still fleshly or carnal. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? Are you not walking like mere men? Since your behavior is no different than the world, aren't you just like mere men? That's what he's saying to them. And that's what we have to look at in our lives. Am I living a life just like a mere man? Or am I growing? Am I growing into spiritual maturity? Am I becoming more Christ-like? That's the question we all have to ask ourselves. Am I on track, Lord, with you? Am I on track? Do we have a hunger for God? 
See, the carnal person, they love the Lord oftentimes. But that's about it. Now, what kind of relationship is that? What kind of relationship is it if I tell my wife I love her all the time, but I don't really care to be with her much? I don't care to talk with her that much. I don't really care what to hear what she's got to say too much. What kind of relationship is that? It's a pretty dead relationship, isn't it? You know, a lot of our lives are like people that have a car that they don't maintain. And then the day comes where they have an emergency and they've got to come, oh, I've got to go down to Toledo. I've got to be down there this, tomorrow morning. So the car is acting up. They're having trouble with the car. So they run to the mechanic and they say to the mechanic, hey, I've got to be in Toledo and there's something wrong with this car. It doesn't run right and it's missing. And da, da, da. So can you help me out? Can you help me out? So the mechanic says, okay, all right, I'll, get, I'll fit you in. I'll try to. So, hey, I'm desperate. I'm desperate. I've got to be there, to, I've got to be there tomorrow morning. So the mechanic goes through the car, and the mechanic finds out that the, the, the spark plugs are all foul, the wires are in bad repair, the air cleaners plugged up, transmission, all this stuff. There's been no maintenance in the life. The car, the car, the engine, is bad because of the bad maintenance, lack of maintenance that's been in the car. So the mechanic fixes the car up and he says, okay, I've got, you, I've got you squared away for a little while here. You should be able to make it. But, you know, you need to maintain this car because if you don't maintain it, in fact, you've got some serious problems that you're, you're going to probably have to replace this engine. But, uh, okay, okay, I'll do it. I'll get it done when I get back. So they make the trip to Toledo and then they forget all about maintaining their car. That's a lot like our lives, isn't it? God, fix it, fix it. i got to have this. There's situations coming up. Oh, I'm desperate. Oh, this, 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 that. Oh, God, please, please, please. And God says, okay, all right, I'll help you out here. God is kind and he's compassionate. And God answers our prayer and then what happens? We forget all about him. We forget all about him until the next thing we need, the next desperate situation. Oh, God, these children of mine, they've gone off. God, my marriage. God, my finances. God, I need a job. God, what? God. And the Lord's patient, and he's compassionate, and he's kind, and he fixes things up again for us and again for us. But the real thing he needs to do is to fix our hearts, isn't it? The real thing he needs is to put a new engine in us. We need new engines. And that's what Jesus does. But only if we ask him to do that. See, your car, the shocks are gone. You know, everything's going haywire. The tires are bald. Everything's haywire on your car. You know what that means, Amanda, haywire? I don't know if younger people know what that means, but most people, I think, do. It's fallen. It's a clunker. It's a jitney. And so we need, we need an engine, and that's where our lives are at. And the mechanic says to you, wait a minute, wait a minute. Says, Look, at, I fixed this car up over and over and over for you. This car 
is going to hurt you someday. This car is going to hurt somebody. Your tie rod ends are out. Your steering's bad. This car is going to cause a wreck. And either you could be killed, but even worse, you could kill somebody else. See, that's the life that we live before Christ. We live life a life that does destruction. Not only to us, but it can do destruction to other people. And even, and that's when we need an overhaul. That's when we need God to go through our life. But even after that happens, we can forget the maintenance, can't we? As believers, we believe you, Lord. We've had an incredible experience with God. I've, I've experienced him. He's changed my heart from the inside out. You know, I used to, Joe used to be a UPS driver. He's an over-the-road guy, and I used to be a UPS driver, and they were pretty rough-talking guys, pretty rough bunch of guys that I worked with. And your, daughter, your sister, I helped train your sister as a UPS driver. And I needed a heart transplant in my life. I needed not just an engine, I needed a heart transplant. Because you get hard and callous. And the world does that to you. It makes you hard and callous, doesn't it? But Jesus has come to give us life. But in order to give us life, it's a divine exchange. There has to be a death. And he said, you know what? God says, I love you so much. I'll provide the death. I'll provide the death for you. I will send my son to the cross. No other religion has... A savior. Do you know that? No other religion has a savior. And God says, I love you so much. I will send my son to die for you. And he's dying for you, but he's dying for me. He's dying in obedience to me because I'm sending him. And he loves me so much, he'll do it for me, but he'll also do it for you. Isn't that, isn't that beyond? It blows my mind. Explodes. Pow. It's like an M80 going off in my skull, you know, just to think of that. That I will send my son to die for you. But in the divine exchange, he says, Now, if you receive what my son has done, I will require something of you. I won't require you to die on a cross like uh, my son did and suffer. But I expect you to die to your old self, your old life, that you may fully put on this garment of righteousness that comes through my son, Jesus Christ. It's a divine exchange. I give up my life to him in a total surrender, and he gives up his life totally for me and for you. How do you beat those odds? However, if you want to keep your life, as the scripture says, you will lose your life. Look what this says. Now, now I want, I'm going to read a scripture out of 1 Corinthians, but before I do, I want to say that the Bible talks, I think it's in Romans, the Apostle Paul again says, 
He says to us to consider this. Consider the kindness and consider, consider the severity of God. Kindness and severity? That doesn't match. That doesn't humanly match. The kindness of God and the severity of God. You see, God's been given. People talk about God and blame God. You know, a tornado comes. Everything's blamed on God. God this, God that. God damned this. And we've done our share of damning things for God, haven't we, in the past? But God is just. And God is love. And God is kind. Now, if you are consider yourself a just person, a kind person, how would you feel if somebody mistreated your sibling, your sister, your brother, your parents, your, your, your spouse, your children, whatever? How would you feel if somebody did something horrible to that person that brought destruction into their life? How would you feel about that? Oh, just keep doing it. Yep, no problem. Yep, I just love you. I'll just love you anyways. You just keep doing these horrendous things. What would you do? You want justice, wouldn't you? You would want it set right. You would want to protect that person, wouldn't you? What about us? We did a lot of destruction before we came to Christ. Remember we talked about that earlier? God loves us so much, and he loves people so much, that he has to have, he has to give out the wages for our sins. It says in Galatians, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Now, God is kind, and he's just. And if you've been horrifically treated in one way or another, God sees that. And he will bring justice. He has to, because he's just. And if he didn't bring justice, he would be unjust. What kind of a judge in the land, if they, if they didn't bring justice, would we say they were a good judge? No, a, a judge has to rule rightly, bring justice. i got a great story about that. I can't tell right now, but about an amazing judge. But with that, he also has to bring a penalty for the wages of sin are death. Does God want to bring death? Does he want to bring hell? Send people to hell? He doesn't. In fact, hell was created for the devil and his angels, but the devil is pulling people into hell with him. Why? Because we rebel and we say we're going to do it our own way. And we've got an engine that's ready to explode. Look at what he says in Corinthians. He says, this is in 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and verse 9. Do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, people that have sex outside of marriage, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, and that's not talking about a person that just is born with a kind of an effeminate, a man that's has, it's somebody that pours themselves into becoming an, a, a woman. Nor homosexuals. That's not popular today, is it? Nor thieves, nor the covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. 
That's pretty stiff. But why would God want to allow people that are doing all those things into his pure, holy, and glorious kingdom? Why? So they can bring the same corruption in? Because there's no change of heart? Just because we die doesn't mean our hearts change. Do you know that just because you die, someone dies, doesn't mean they've changed. They're the same, just lost their body. No, no, but then then he goes on. This is the good part. This is the hope. This is the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. And such were some of you. But you were washed, but you were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Spirit of our God. Justified means when you've been justified, it means just as if you've never done those things. And I'll just, just to go off a little bit here, I have people saying, you know, I can't fit into those people in your church. Well, they're all good people. They're, you don't know what I've done. You don't know. They're all good people, and they're good Christian people with nice smiles on their face. And, and I'll say to them, you have no idea. <laughs> what? I know your stories. I'm not saying this in any kind of judgmental or derogative way, but I know your stories. I know what you've come out of. I know the sin, the drugs, the sex. I know the stuff, much of it. There's a lot of it I don't know. But I wanted to say to those people, but you have no idea what these people have gone through. Us, we, we have gone through the same benefits of sin. Benefits of sin. We've had the same privilege. No, that's not the right word either. We've had the same foulness as you did. Maybe that's a better word. Foulness, that we've gone through the same things. The difference is that Christ has had a chance to work in our life and bring about hope in our life and bring about life in our life and bring love back in our life, right? And bring a purpose for living back in our life. So when you give up your life and die for Christ, He rewards you and gives you life eternal. Isn't that wonderful? I think, that, I think everybody should be clapping like you are, Kaylee. <laughs> but isn't that wonderful? He comes to give us life, but first we have to come to him, surrender, and be willing to die. That's what baptism's about, by the way. In Romans chapter 6, it says that we identify with his, through baptism, don't you know that you identify with his death, burial, and resurrection through baptism? We identify with that. We don't have to go through what he went through, but we identify it with that. That's good news. I don't have to be nailed to this cross. Oh, God, have mercy. You don't have to be nailed to the cross to have your sins forgiven you. To have a clean heart and a clean life and a clean slate. And First John says, he, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. If we don't confess our sins, we're not forgiven. We're not forgiven. Wow. What a deal. Incredible. All right. I'd like to close with that and invite you, anybody here, that you need a new engine. The Lord Jesus has a new engine on the shelf for you. But first you have to admit you need a new engine. You have to admit that you need him. It's not automatic. 
See, Christianity is not a cultural thing in the sense that, true Christianity is not cultural in the sense that, well, my grandmother was a Christian. My folks were, went to church. I was raised in church. No, 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 no. Christianity is more than that. Christianity is a relationship with God. And it's a new relationship that you and I can have with him. It's incredible. I, it's, it's, a, it's the old song, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Remember that? It's joy unspeakable, full of glory. So this morning, I know there's lots of folks missing, but if I could have you stand just for a few moments. And if you need a new engine in your car, in your heart, a new heart is what I'm really referring to, I'm going to ask you not to gamble from what I'm saying. What I'm telling you this morning is the truth. This is, lines up with the, with the scripture. Don't gamble. There is no gambling here. If you gamble, you lose. This is truth. Either follow the truth or choose to lose. That's not a threat. That's just a fact. You follow the truth or you choose to lose. Because you will lose. Sin doesn't evaporate in God's eyes. God's holy. And the only way sin is done away with is through the sacrifice that his son made for us through the blood of Christ. If you'd like to recommit your life to the Lord this morning, if you'd like to commit your life to the Lord, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to start with, we'll close our eyes, we'll do the close our eyes things. I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand this morning. Thank you. Yes. This is a serious thing. People are going to leave here and you're going to think, yeah, yeah, I really should do something about that. I'll put it off for another month. Don't put it off. If you hear his voice, as the scripture says, today is the day of salvation. It costs you everything, but it costs you nothing. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Some of you might be struggling so much, you're a little embarrassed in the sense of coming up in front of people. I'd like you to talk with me afterwards. But don't be embarrassed. We've all had to come be to him and humble ourselves. We all understand. So let's pray together. I'll lead us in a prayer. Heavenly Father, this morning I come to you. And I need a change of heart. I've been a carnal Christian. I've lived like the world. I watch the stuff the world watches. I'm entertained by the world and all its filth. Lord, I ask you to cleanse me, to bring a higher standard in my life. I ask you to wash me with your blood. Cleanse me again. Forgive me of my sins. And Lord, now I ask you to strengthen me from the inner heart. Yes. Now, for those of you who may have never asked the Lord into your life, this morning, I'm going to have you pray this prayer. We can all pray it together. But Lord Jesus Christ, I come to you as a sinner. 
I am hopelessly lost. I am hellbound. And I come to you because I need a Savior in my life. I don't come because I'm, a, a, because I'm, I'm a needing a crutch. I don't come because I need a crutch. All that sort of thing. I come to you because I, I want to know you. I want to live for you. And I want you to change my life. And I want this promise that I may have salvation. That I may live it and live with you and for you all the days of my life. I surrender to you. Forgive me of my sins. I break agreement with all my sin. I break agreement with the demonic forces behind the sin. I command you to leave my life as I surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Father, reveal yourself to me that I may know you and experience you in a new way, in a powerful way. And I thank you for receiving me as a son now. In Jesus' name I pray. Come into my heart and life. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you've prayed that prayer and you mean it, please come and see me afterwards. I, I have a couple meetings after church, but I, I will take time with you. That's not a problem. So I'm going to be up here for a bit. And I'd like to bless the rest, all of you, bless you today. We have fellowship downstairs. We're glad you're here. And I'm, I'll be glad when our summer I won't be glad when summer's over, but I'll be glad when our summer crowd gets all back and see everybody. We miss people that are coming and going through the summer. I'll be gone next week, actually. But we're going to have a wonderful message from Bob Jones. He's got a great message he's developing. So, God bless you. If you need any type of prayer, please come up. And please join us downstairs for food and fellowship. So we'd love to have you come down. God bless you all. Have a wonderful week.